Thank you for taking time to listen to this week's message from First Orlando. You can find even more content, including video archives of this and other past messages at firstorlando.com. And if you're in the Orlando area, be sure to visit us sometime soon. Now, enjoy this podcast from First Orlando. Well, good morning, friends. It's good to see you. If you have a copy of the Bible or if you have a phone with an app on it, or you can just look at our screen, we're going to be in Nehemiah chapter 8. Nehemiah chapter 8, as we continue our journey through this book of Nehemiah with this theme of rebuilding. I'm so grateful this morning, Pastor David, Pastor Danny, thank you for the opportunity to be in front of our people and to be able to share God's word. It's always a privilege and an honor. Nehemiah Nehemiah chapter 8, as you get there, let me just kind of remind you of where we are in this story. Nehemiah chapter 8, we we know from the very beginning in Nehemiah chapter 1, we're introduced to this man named Nehemiah. He's a cupbearer to the king in Persia, the Persian king. The people of God had been in exile because of their disobedience to God's covenant. They continued to worship false idols, and and God's patience ran thin. So they went off into exile, and the people had returned at this point, rebuilt the temple, and yet the walls remained in ruins around the city of Jerusalem. Nehemiah, about 450 years before the birth of Christ, Nehemiah gets word that the city lies in ruins. The walls have been destroyed. They have not been rebuilt, and it burdens his heart. And over the last couple of weeks, the first seven chapters, we found out that Nehemiah, with that burden in his heart, he prayed and he fasted. And he said, Lord, what am I supposed to do about this? He goes before the king, and the king says, why are you sad? And he said, because the city walls where I'm from, they lie in ruin. And the king says, well, What do you want me to do about it? And he asked for permission and and resources, and he heads back to Jerusalem to rebuild the temple walls. He rides around, as Pastor David called it, the midnight ride to be able to see the damage of the walls himself. And as we looked at last week, we saw that the people had a mind to work. All the people gathered together with this project in mind to rebuild the walls around the city. But it didn't come easy. There was opposition both internally and externally, people hurling insults, threatening them, trying to stop the work. And yet, last week, let's just see if anybody was paying some attention. We found out that in 52 days, they rebuilt the wall that was 10 feet thick, 40 feet high, and two and a half miles long. Y'all, that's a lot of work. But here's the beauty of it, just for all of us, just to be mindful. When the people of God have a mind to work with the plan of God, God can do miraculous things. 52 days, the wall is now secure. The city may be safe, but here's what we find in Nehemiah chapter 8. The spiritual lives of the people living within the safety of the walls, it's not in the best shape. So friends, maybe this morning you're watching us online or you're in the room and you feel some of that pressure. The external around you may feel okay right now. We've come out of 2020. We've turned the page and you thought everything would feel better internally. Your life would be a little bit better and maybe there's still some broken things. And I just want to encourage you that I have good news this morning Whether you've walked with Jesus for 30, 40, 50 years, or just a few months, or maybe you're just exploring and you're not even sure what it looks like to follow Jesus, here's the good news we see in Nehemiah chapter 8. 
The reality for all of us is this. The only sure foundation for rebuilding our broken lives is the Word of God. And when I say the Word of God, I'm referring to the truth that we find in the 66 books that we call the Bible. For Nehemiah, as we're going to see, Nehemiah, they roll a scroll that's the first five books of our Old Testament, known as the Law of Moses. But friends, I want to challenge and encourage us to see that if we want to rebuild a broken life or just build our spiritual lives, it needs to be rooted and grounded and founded on the Word of God. How we receive and respond to the Word of God will make all the difference in whether or not our spiritual lives will be rebuilt or remain in ruins. Nehemiah Chapter 8, starting in verse 1. Read along with me, not out loud. That's confusing. So here we go. Nehemiah chapter 8, starting in verse 1. The scripture says this. And all the people gathered as one man into the square before the water gate. And they told Ezra the scribe to bring the book of the law of Moses that the Lord had commanded Israel. So Ezra the priest brought the law before the assembly, both men and women, and all who could understand what they heard on the first day of the seventh month. And he read from it facing the square before the water gate from an early morning until midday in the presence of the men and the women and those who could understand. And the ears of all the people, catch that, were attentive to the book of of the law. And Ezra the scribe stood on a wooden platform that they had made for the purpose. And beside him stood 13 men whose names I'm not even going to try to read. <laughs> Are y'all okay with that? I'm already a little insecure being in front of all of you. We don't need to try the names, okay? But there are 13 people we see there listed. And in verse 5, Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people, for he was above all the people. And as he opened it, all the people stood. And Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God. And all the people answered, Amen, Amen, lifting up their hands and bowing their heads. They worshipped the Lord with their faces to the ground. Also, another list of names there, 13 more people were scattered among the folks as they listened. And this is what the Bible tells us. They helped the people to understand the law while the people remained in their place. And then in verse 8, they read from the book, from the law of God clearly. And they gave the sense so that the people understood the reading Let's pray before we dive into this passage. Let's pray together. Father God, we thank you for this moment. Lord, I thank you for your word, the truth, the scripture we have in front of us. Lord, may we be faithful to receive it and to respond to it. However you see fit for our lives. Lord, thank you for the freedom and the opportunity and the blessing it is to gather whether online or in this room, to be able to gather as a body and hear your word declared. We're so thankful, Lord. Teach us. And may we listen and obey. In Jesus' name, amen. How we receive and respond to the word of God will make all the difference in our lives. And I want you to see this. If we're going to build our lives on the word of God as the sure foundation, 
I want you to see from this text what the people did here in chapter 8. How we receive the word of God will shape how we respond to the word of God. And so watch how they receive the word of God here in these first few verses. Look at what takes place. Look at all the people that are gathered. Again, in verse 1, the Bible says this, And all the people gathered as one man into the square before the water gate. Friends, let me just tell you for just a second, what we see clearly in these verses is that the people had a hunger for the word of God. All the people, not some of the people, all the people gathered as though they were one man, symbolizing that they were united with hearing from the word of God. Why? It's the first day of the seventh month. In the Jewish liturgical calendar for their religious festivals, the seventh month was extremely important. On the first day of month was known as the Feast of the Trumpets. And it was a day that they were supposed to set aside as a holy gathering together and to remember what God did in Exodus chapter 19 and 20. In Exodus chapter 20, we know that God gave to Moses the law, the Ten Commandments. But in chapter 19, God came down on the mountain. He shook the mountain in such a way that there was thunder and lightning and it sounded like a trumpet blast. Which is why we have the Feast of Trumpets. And so the people are gathering because they have an expectation to hear from God. And did you notice, it wasn't just the religious elite. It wasn't just the spiritual high people. It was all the people. The scripture specifically says it was both men and women and those who could understand. A reference to older children gathering together. Why, friends? Listen to me. Because the word of God is good for everyone. This is why it's a priority in the life of our church. My girls right now are over in our kids' building hearing in a language that they can understand at a level that they can understand the truth of God's Word. My two-year-old is probably causing all kinds of problems, but hopefully she's also listening. But the people had a hunger for the Word of God, so much so that they gathered together as one person with this great expectation on the first day of the seventh month, this Feast of Trumpets. They're expecting to hear from God. So what do they do? They tell Ezra, go get the scroll. Now you have to imagine this would have been a giant thing that the people didn't have access to themselves. So here is the scribe. Here's one of the teachers, one of the religious leaders, and goes and gets the scroll, and he has 13 men around him, more than likely to roll the whole scroll out, and they probably took turns reading from portions of what would be our Torah or our Pentateuch or the first five books of the Bible. You know the ones that get really, really hard sometime in February when you're on your reading plan. We'll get to that in a minute. They roll out the scroll and we see so clearly this hunger for the word with gathering, but then telling Ezra, go get the book of the law of Moses that God gave to him. And then they had built this, this platform, probably not that day, but they were prepared with this platform for Ezra to climb upon the platform, verse 4 tells us, above all the people so that he could speak clearly to the people. And from early morning until midday, Ezra and the Levites that were with him read from the first five books of our Old Testament. What I love when we see this hunger for the word is the way that Nehemiah describes it in verse 3. 
he says this, the ears of all the people were attentive to the book of the law. Six hours. Now, friends, here's where I I could just guilt us and ask you questions like, well, why can't you stand for six hours? But that's not the point. The point of the passage is not to show some physical posture as though that's the only thing. It's to show us the posture of a heart that is receptive to the word of God. They had a hunger, but what we see is they had a humility towards the word of God. When Ezra rolled the scroll out, the scripture tells us that what they did was the people stood up. And then all the people answered him saying, we're going to hear from the great God. And they said, amen, amen. They lifted their hands, symbolizing dependence on the Lord. They bowed their heads and they worshiped God. Why? Not because the scroll was magical, but because they were hearing instructions from the Lord. Friends, we need to have a hunger and a humility when we come to the truth of the Word of God. I laugh because almost every single night, my daughter's stomachs somehow magically shrink up midway through the meal. I don't know those of you who have children understand that. And all of a sudden, they, I'm full. Can't eat any more. I don't know where they get their drama, but we're just going to going to leave that one alone, but I'm full. But the minute you mention a treat (laughs) or dessert, there's some type of marvelous medical mystery that happens and their stomachs just open up and they're ready to eat anything. I don't want to be so full on things that don't bring me health that I don't have room for the Word of God. There's a a pastor who said it this way. He said, the greatest enemy of the hunger for God is not poison, it's apple pie. It's not the banquet of the wicked that dulls our appetite for heaven, but it's endless nibbling at the table of the world. I want to draw your attention, friends, and challenge and encourage you. We need to have a hunger for the Word of God and a humility when we come to the Word of God. For me, friends, sometimes I may hunger after the Word, but when I come to it, I like to tell the Word what to do and not let God's instructions drive my life. I know that's not you. But if I'm honest, that's a lot of what I do when I come to God's Word and I begin to look for loopholes around what God is telling me to do. But what we see with the people here, in order to rebuild a spiritual life, they recognize and we need to recognize that how we receive the Word of God will shape how we respond to the Word of God. May we have a hunger and a humility for the Word of God. Oh, friends. What is your posture towards God's word? Do you come in here? Listen, I understand. Some of you, it's just hard to get into this room. Some of you watching online, it's hard just to calm things down, just to be able to tune in for a little while. But may I challenge and remind us that all of us need a deeper sense of humility and hunger. We need to long for God's instructions because it shapes who we are. But I love this. 
I love what happens in this passage. It wasn't that they just had a hunger for God's word and a humility towards God's word. But friends, there was practical teaching to help them apply it to their life. Did you catch that? All those lists of names, the people were scattered among all of the Jewish people standing out in that big square in front of the water gate. And the Bible tells us very specifically in verse 7 and 8, that they helped the people understand the law while the people remained in their places. In Nehemiah 8 verse 8, it says they read from the book from the law of God clearly and they gave sense so that the people understood the reading. It wasn't just a hunger. It wasn't just humility. But there was somebody there to help them grasp how to apply it to their life. Friends, this is why we come here. Friends, watching us, this is why we tune in. In order for us to have teaching that helps us apply God's word to our life. But can I go a little bit deeper? This is why I'm in a life group. I'm in a life group with people who aren't on this church staff, who are, who are living life, doing things differently with, with other workplaces. And I get to come to God's word, discuss God's word, and hear how God is working in their life, and it encourages me in my own life. The people gathered in community to hear the word and you and I need to gather together to hear the word because it puts guardrails around us as we try to apply God's word. Are you with me this morning? We need to read the word privately, yes, but we also need to be careful that when we interpret God's word and try to apply God's word, but we do that within a community and a faith family that allows us to be best supported as we try to obey God's word. All of us at times have read God's word and maybe missed the best way to apply it to our life. We need one another. Oh, friends, this is how they received God's word to set up how that they would respond to God's word. They had a hunger and a humility before the word. But they also had practical teaching helping them apply the word. But this isn't just for those Levites and those 13 men with crazy names. This is for every single one of us. As a follower of Jesus Christ, we have a responsibility to share what God is teaching us right now. So as you go into your workplace and you hear somebody speak about the brokenness in their own life and you've come across God saying he's going to be near the brokenhearted, you speak that truth delicately to them. Meet them right where they are. Maybe you're a parent and you're going crazy and you just need to pray God's word over your children. Not some of those uh, imprecatory prayers. We won't get into that. But, but, but you need to pray. Scripture over your children, friends, whatever it may look like in your life. Take what God is teaching you, apply it to your own life, and share it with others. We need one another. The more you and I prioritize God's word, the more you and I will position ourselves to hear God's word. If we want to build our lives on the sure foundation that's God's word, we need to develop an appetite for his word, personal daily intake, yes, but we need to also submit ourselves to the authority of God's word, to trustworthy teaching in community to help us live it out. But friends, here's where I just want to be careful. So much of speaking about the priority of God's word in our life may lead us down the path of legalism. 
It's January 24th, and, and like you, many of you, you've probably started maybe a reading plan. You've probably, like me, said, this is the year. I'm going to read through the whole Bible in 17 hours. It's this year. I'm going to read 100 books. I'm going to memorize all of Leviticus. No, you're not. No, I'm just going to. No, you're not. Right? But it's January 24th, and I'm just here to tell you, I'm 23 days behind on my reading plan. Can I encourage you this morning? We don't read God's word in order to check the circle next to the daily reading plan. You and I, we don't read God's word as though we're building a resume of spiritual accomplishments so that we can apply for the next level job of Christianity. We read the word of God in this room, in our homes, with our small groups, over our children, because we want to encounter the living God. So, so friends, here it is. If you're behind, just keep going. If you've never started, start now. Turn to the Gospel of John and read about the beauty of the life of Jesus. How we receive the Word of God. It'll shape how we respond to the Word of God. And I love this because watch how they respond when the Word is read. Look in verse 9. And Nehemiah, who was the governor, and Ezra the priest, and the scribe, and the Levites, who taught the people, said to all the people, This day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep. For all the people wept as they heard the words of the law. Then he said to them, Go your way, eat the fat, and drink sweet wine. Send portions to anyone who has nothing ready. For this day is holy to our Lord. And do not be grieved, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. So the Levites calmed all the people, saying, Be quiet, for this day is holy. Do not be grieved. And all the people went their way to eat and drink and to send portions to make great rejoicing. Why? Because they understood the words that were declared to them. Friends, the people heard the word and they wept. And that weeping was a sign of repentance that we'll read about a little bit next week in chapter 9. But here's where I want to drive us. Here's where I want to encourage us. It's okay to come to the Word and weep and repent because we see how holy God is and we see how miserably we've failed. But God... He has given us Jesus so that where we fail, Jesus never failed. Here's the good news. The purpose of repentance is not to make us miserable. The purpose of repentance is to move us towards the mercy of God. And this is what they told them. Now's not the time to weep. Turn your weeping into rejoicing because they understood the word. Why? What they understood was despite their failures, God remained faithful. Despite them having to go into exile, they're now back in Jerusalem because God was faithful to his word. And friends, I don't want you to miss this. Repentance 
leads to rejoicing. And here's why. Because weeping turns into rejoicing when repentance meets God's forgiveness. I don't know what it looks like for you this morning. But when you come to the word of God and you see how holy he is and how much you don't add up in your life, may it drive you to Jesus. He has done for you what you could never do for yourself. And the purpose of the law was never to make the people perfect. The purpose of the law was to point them to the perfection of God, which will culminate in the person and work of Jesus Christ. And so, friends, you may be feeling a lot of that burden. But you don't add up. Run to Jesus. The people heard the law clearly. They saw where they failed. And the leader said, now's not the time. Turn your weeping to rejoicing because God has been faithful. And let's celebrate that. But don't miss this. How we respond to the word of God, it'll drive the direction of our life. The people repented and then that led to rejoicing. But, but we can't stop there. Are you with me? It's not enough for us to simply see the holiness of God, see where we failed, fall on the mercies of God without us seeing that our lives are to be changed, to walk in obedience. What we have here in Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 13 through 18, listen to part of this, what happens. The people move from weeping to rejoicing to obeying. On the second day, the heads of the fathers of houses of all the people with the priests and the Levites came together to Ezra the scribe in order to study the words of the law. And here's what they found, it says. And they found it written in the law that the Lord had commanded by Moses that the people of Israel should dwell in booths during the feast of the seventh month. Seventh month and that they should proclaim it and publish it in all their towns in Jerusalem. What he's referring to is what's known as the Feast of Booths or Feast of Tabernacles. What was to happen on the 15th day of the seventh, seventh month, the people were to set up these, these temporary dwelling places, these booths, in order for them to remember how God brought their ancestors out of Egypt and gave them provision while they were in the wilderness. And for some reason, the people had not been celebrating it with, with focus and with great attention. And so here's what they did. They read the law again. They saw that God gave them instructions and they obeyed. If we want to build our lives with a sure foundation on the word of God, James said it this way in James chapter 1. He told us, told us but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourself. Friends, I just want to remind us that the more we obey God, the more you and I will experience and reflect the life of Jesus on a daily basis. I don't know what God is asking of your life right now, but I know this, it is better to walk in obedience than disobedience. Right. Scripture is very clear that it is better to walk in obedience. 
I love what one of my favorite preachers in, in all of America over in Jacksonville, a guy by the name of H.B. Charles Jr. said it this way. And I love this. He says, it is the will of God to have the Spirit of God use the Word of God to make the children of God look like the Son of God. This is the goal of our lives for us to be hungry for the Word, to be humble to the Word, to respond to the Word in such a way that we see how miserably we fail, but we run to the mercy of God, and then we submit ourselves and say, I'll do what you've asked me to do. I want to walk in obedience. The more we obey, the more the Spirit of God forms us to look more like Jesus. And here's the beauty. It's not about you and me. The more he makes us look like Jesus, the more glory he gets, and the more people out there go, what happened? Your life was broken, and it doesn't seem broken anymore, and we get to stand and say, but God. But God. God has given to us all that we need for us to build and rebuild a broken life firmly on his word. Now listen to me, this is where it gets kind of scary. I don't know what that looks like, but I, I struggle with waking up early in the morning and trying to spend time with the Lord. You want to know why? I've got a four-year-old and two-year-old, and it doesn't matter what time I set my alarm. They're always there three minutes before me. This morning, I kid you not, it was 4.30. 4.30 in the morning, they're standing next to my wife and I'm whispering, get out of the room. <laughs> but here's what I learned. I wrestled so much with trying to be more disciplined with the word of God and it felt like a heavy burden until the Lord freed me and simply said, it's not about the amount of time. It's not even where you, the place of time. It's encountering me through the word. And so here's what happened for me. And just as an encouragement for you, rather than doom scrolling through social media after I put my girls to bed, started last year trying to spend a couple of minutes just reading in that moment. The moment between putting them to bed and cleaning the kitchen and everything else that had to go, just tried to carve out a little bit of time. More recently for me, I, I live 22 minutes from my driveway to the, to the office. And so I've just been using a Bible app that, that plays God's word through my speaker so that I just have God's word around me. And friends, that's what we need to see. Carving out time, not weighty burdens and reading plans that cause us to be miserable. But simple next steps to put us near the word of God, to position ourselves near the word of God so that we can walk in obedience. I don't know what that looks like for you, but I just want to encourage you this morning. Take a next step. If the reading plan has become burdensome, toss it out. And open up the Gospel of John and be revived, not burdened. If you have a long drive to work, turn on some praise music to, to have your heart full. Sing the word of God. Pray the word of God. Whatever you need to do, take that next step. Maybe some of you have never given your life to Christ and you don't even understand what we're talking about. Friends, I want to challenge and encourage you. Turn from sin 
and trusting yourself and turn to the only one who can give salvation, and that's Jesus Christ. You call on him. You call on him, and he will save. Those of you who are walking with Jesus, maybe there's some area of your life that needs repentance. Repent and then rejoice because you receive forgiveness. Whatever that next step is, I want to pray over us and I want to challenge you to simply let the Holy Spirit speak to you that you will walk in obedience to what he has asked of your life. Let's pray together. God, you are good to us. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the reminder, Lord, that that your word is good. It's not burdensome. Your, your, Your yoke is easy and your burden is light. Lord, if we come to you, if we are thirsty and hungry, you will fill us and satisfy. Lord, make it a reality in our life. Help us walk and take that next step of obedience this morning. We pray all this in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Thanks again for listening to the First Orlando Podcast. For more information like our service times, location, and other contact information, be sure to visit us online at firstorlando.com. Have a great week.